Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome to this week's episode of the Baseball Taylor Podcast. Today, we're going to be talking to David Page, the creator of Diners, Drive-Ins, and Dives. Nine Plus Us presents the Baseball Together Podcast with your hosts, Blackjack Brad and Kansas City Little Big Briggy Blue Eyes. And now, Baseball Together. Welcome to this week's episode of the Baseball Together Podcast, Baseball Family. As you would expect, my name is Brad. I am one of your hosts, and... Also, as you would expect, our guy Brig is right here with us on my left. Welcome, Brig. How are you? Ahoy, hoy. Ahoy, hoy, indeed. (laughs) (laughs) So, baseball family, this has kind of become like the thing that we do with interviews because we like having people on and we don't want to cut them short while also limiting our time with them. Right, Brig? So, anyway. Correct. Especially when they're good. Especially when they're good. (laughs) Because we had an awesome discussion with David Page. Like I said in the little teaser at the beginning, he is the mind behind Diners, Drive-Ins, and Dives. He also has a book called Food Americana. So we thought, who better to talk about stadium food with? So here he is, David Page. Enjoy it. It's a ton of fun. Welcome back, baseball family. Today, we have another very special guest. We have David Page. He is the creator of one of my favorite shows, Diners, Drive-Ins, and Dives, and also the author of the book Food Americana. He's a food guy, so we're going to end up talking about stadium food because Brig and I are always talking about it. We love it so much, so we're going to get into that later. But first, we're going to give him the same treatment we give all of our guests. He's going to get a rundown. So, David, my first question for you is what is your quest? my quest to be creative um i've uh i've been in journalism in some way for a half a century i started in radio i recently returned to radio i'm doing a syndicated radio show i just need to be creative and um i'm not one for hobbies i'm one for avocations the things that i like to do that's what i do man that was love it. I so felt much. that deeply. That's how I, I did. Too. What? Did I make David, you shudder? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> David, what is your favorite color? Orange. Ooh. I like had to think about it. Yeah. All right. We were talking before you talked about your Red Sox fan, correct? Oh, yeah. But see, I was a Red Sox fan when it was painful. I was a Red Sox fan before Theo. No, my big year, I was 12 or 13 in 1967 when Yastrzemski had that year, which, by the way, is still um, the second highest single season OPS to the babe. Uh, that, that That was my year. Now, I'm also a baseball fan in general, uh, although the strike, took a bit away from my love of the game. Nonetheless, when I lived in Minnesota, when I was doing diners, drive-ins and dives, we were living in Minnesota. My production company was there and I, uh, actually bought, uh, on the company dime. So I could, you know, say, here you go, you go, you go. The ridiculous super duper seats in the special section behind home plate, where you get valet parking and access behind you to the the food and the club. That was the year they lost 99 games. So (laughs) I couldn't give the damn tickets away. That was $30,000 down the drain. But great suits, great food. So real quick, though, I'm going to deviate from the rundown real quick. So was that at Target Field, right? It was the... uh, First or second year? I think it was the okay. first year. Target Field was did over. they have? No, did they have? Year. Did they have that secret cafe or whatever under the uh, under the first base, like behind the first base dugout? Did they have Not that? Right. It was like it's under the seats. 
Well, the, the, the club that goes with the super-duper seats actually is pretty extensive. Um, and I guess under the seats, because when you walk through one of the entrances there to the field, you pass the indoor batting cage that the players use. Okay, that might be the one because yeah. um, I went. I actually went and covered a game there as a as part of a journalism conference, and mm-hmm. they took us like this back way under this yeah. under the stadium that's, to get that's, to the field. That's what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. The and I was thing, like, man, this is like the coolest thing I've ever seen. No, the thing that was really cool is you had valet parking, so yeah, you yeah. drive up to the door to this club, and you just drop your car, and then you go in and eat and see the game and come back. It was was fantastic it was just great that's awesome valet is the only way to go it really is. you know it's <laughs> funny it's funny yeah. because a lot of the reason people don't go to games as much in um suburban areas you know it's different in in like chicago you get on the l but it, it, there's this whole calculus you know where do i park what does it cost What's the rush going to be? Do I have to leave at the seventh inning? All of that stuff really plays into it in a way it doesn't in Boston, for example. You know. Yep. Yeah. In Seattle, you're you're guaranteed to be tripled parked, so you can't leave till the game's over. Yeah, that, that takes the fun out of so much. But look, I grew up in New York, so my grandfather would take me to the old Yankee Stadium, and we'd go by train. And you know, you walk out, and there it is, and hoo ha, everything's wonderful, uh, which is. You know, I, I prefer baseball as um, a close by sport, but reality's reality is reality. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Although there's nothing like walk, walking up that hill on Boylston and the Sitco sign. I don't know if the sign's still there. It might have gone down. The Sitco sign is there. It's like a national landmark. That when <laughs> you were a kid, that, that's, that's something special. When you know. Okay, so let's go back to the Red Sox real quick. If the Red yeah. Sox were a beverage, what would they be? Well, in in my day, they would most mostly have been flat ginger ale because <laughs> they couldn't do anything. Uh, today, they'd be a designer fizzy water because of the way they implemented science to improve on tradition. Excellent. Uh is there a maximum age? Like, is there a ceiling on the age at which it's appropriate to take a baseball glove to a baseball game? 112. Yes. I think, I think that sounds about right. <laughs> but, 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 but you got to be, if you're an adult, you got to do what I saw that guy do the other day. If you catch a fly, you have to give it to a kid. You don't get to take it home. That's right. That yep. is the correct answer. 100%. Love it. What is one unpopular opinion you have? That the television coverage of Roe versus Wade, um, despite the fact that I'm extremely liberal and was deeply dismayed by that decision, I thought the coverage was skewed heavily um, against the folks who wanted to ban abortion. Uh, I don't believe in the conspiracy theories that mainstream media is liberally skewed on purpose, but I think the story, so many of the people covering it are of my political persuasion and were so angry that day that nobody did a piece um, allowing the folks who won to exult in the victory and to explain that for them, this was a great moral um, step forward. Everything else said it's a step backward, which I happen to believe not to get political on a baseball podcast, but I thought the coverage sucked. Yeah. We, we lament that a lot with journalism backgrounds as well. Yeah. I just, you know, I, I look, I worked in the middle East a lot. I'm a very pro Israeli Jew. I had to filter all of that out and make doubly sure that my coverage of the Israeli-Palestinian conflicts was objective as hell. Uh, I was part of a documentary that pretty much kicked Israel in the behind for um, what had, and this was 20 years after the Six-Day War, for what was happening to the country in terms of treatment of the Palestinians. If you're a journalist, uh, I'm getting real serious here on a baseball podcast, but if you're a journalist, 
you've got to check your personal opinions at the door. And I just didn't think that happened the other day. You're a celebrity guest on a game show. Uh, what show are you on? Hollywood Squares. <laughs> are you the middle square or are you a peripheral? No, I'm right next to Paul Lind. No, <clears throat> pardon me. No <laughs> one has ever been better than Paul Lind, but I want to go. be next to him so we can kibitz during the breaks. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> what is the best baseball movie ever made? Oh, it, 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 Field of Dreams, of course. Awesome. Um, I found the natural unsatisfying. Ooh. Brig has an opinion on that. Deep cut. We'll sorry. get to that in a minute. Okay. Um, which, uh, sorry, if baseball were an ice cream flavor, David, what would it be? Coffee. Basically generic, but with a little bit of zing. <clears throat> I like it. Love it. Well, I, I only have two flavors in my freezer. Vanilla and coffee. There you oh, go. There you go. And we actually get vanilla a lot. Well, yeah, yeah. vanilla is good when you're <laughs> when you're sitting around at night watching something on streaming. <clears throat> pardon me. And you look at your wife and say, "You want a little ice cream to justify your having the ice cream?" You know, you, you can't. You don't want chunky monkey. That that's it's a little heavy for eleven yeah. o'clock at night. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what is your walk-up song? Back in the USSR, but only because I have a personal connection to that song. When I first started network news in Chicago, this was before the days when everyone had a satellite and you could feed video from everywhere. So we pretty much were in a Learjet at least two or three times a week going to some story, you know, in Iowa. And the first time I got into the Lear, the the cameraman, who later went on to become George Bush's lighting director, and and uh, was a great guy, Bobby DeServe. He put the a track, a track. He put the a track in the player and timed the takeoff roll sound in Back to the USSR to our takeoff roll in the Lear, and he would do that every time. So it's my favorite. That's my walk up song. Nice. That's awesome. I love it. Um, my last question, and I think maybe Brad has one more. How would the baseball be different right now, uh, or even America's relationship with it, if the Dodgers had not left Brooklyn? I don't think it would be because someone was going to go west. The Giants were going. It, I mean, the short-term answer is it would have delayed the national fascination with baseball that was brought about by television. But um, in the long term, Western expansion was inevitable. And during the down days of baseball, immediately after the strike, I don't think New York could have supported three teams. Yeah, I think mm. you're right. We did find out a couple right. weeks ago that it sounds like New York's looking for another team eventually. Potentially, so yeah. That, Yeah, potentially. That would be really oh, you mean a good one. What was that? They're looking for a good team. <laughs> <laughs> they well, have two terrific teams right now. I found out the, the other day what where the name Dodgers came from. Did you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's really... That's South Brooklyn. It, it, yeah. Folks at home, it's because in the old days when Brooklyn had trolleys, if you ran in front of the trolley, you were known as a trolley dodger. So, But it's like... You know, there's sports teams that have names that make no sense. The New Orleans Jazz made perfect sense. There yeah. is no jazz in Utah. You know, yeah, right. the, the Minnesota Lakers made perfect sense, the land of 10,000 lakes. It, you know, it, it's not it, – the name makes no sense in California. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of that. And I always – yeah, I've always wondered about that, why they don't change names to make it more geographically appropriate. But, but L.A. Dodgers, though, like – that's such a brand. It's become well. A that's brand. the point. I mean, although the Jazz have never been a big deal anywhere, so I think you can change <laughs> that name and get away with it. It's very I grew up in Utah, <laughs> it, right south of Salt Lake in the Provo area, right where what's, BYU is. Well, Pro, Provo is interesting because 
Provo. Oh, wait, it's not Provo. Where's the skiing? We're north of uh, Park, Park City. City. Yeah, Park City. I, when I was writing the book, I, I was uh, I featured a place in Salt Lake that makes lobster rolls because they actually won uh, Down East Magazine's Best Lobster Roll in the Entire Known World competition one year, although they're from Boston. So, you know, sure, but, um, yeah. <laughs> we were discussing um, Park City is not Utah. Park City is a bunch yeah. of transplanted New Yorkers and Californians who like to ski. So yeah. it was a very different environment. Now, Provo is the college town, right? Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Where's West Valley? That's just south. It's up it's, by Salt Lake. Southwest of Salt, of Salt Lake City. Yeah, when I was with ABC, I did one of the first pieces on the explosion in methamphetamines, and we centered it on, um, uh, I just mentioned the place. West Valley. West Valley. West Valley. West Valley. Yeah. Mostly because there was a cop there who was really good at undercover and would let us in, but the fact is, awesome. um, it was, uh, there was a major problem. I think there's still a major problem. Everybody, yeah, well, <laughs> kind of like Breaking Bad, I guess. Everyone cooking yeah, yeah. nothing in their underwear. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> pretty much. Do right, N95 last... masks before they oh. were popular. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, last question for you, and then we'll take a break. Would you sign a petition to have Rob Manfred decommissioned? That's the word that we're using, decommissioned. No, because all of these commissioners do what the owners tell them to do. It's, you know, is he good for the game? No. Was Bart Giamatti good for the game? Theoretically, but no, because he um, he was a rebel. Look, you're an employee of the owners. Um, if it's decided that the way to jazz up the game is um, the designated hitter in both leagues, it's going to happen. I, personally, uh, I've never liked the designated hitter. I think it's a terrible idea. But... Um, you know, no, the game doesn't stay static. Uh, hell, they lowered the mound in 1969 because in 68, the only American League player to hit 300 was Yastrzemski at 301. I mean, you know, yeah. they, they, they play with the statistics. It's like, it's like in basketball. Kareem just came out and pointed out that he's still the scoring leader, and he only made one three-point shot. Yeah, all of today's numbers are skewed by the three-point shot. You, yeah, exactly. It's apples and oranges. You know, yeah. people say in argument that Babe Ruth, uh, you know, it was a million years ago. He's not the greatest home run hitter. I, really? You find me someone today who hits as many home runs as all the other teams combined, and he can be the greatest home run hitter. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I have rigged deeply last night comparing Daniel Vogelbach to Babe Ruth. <laughs> oh man, I'll never be the same. Our relationship took a huge, huge hit. Okay, <laughs> great. That's Mostly it's body shape, but anyway, uh-huh. stop. No, if it's body stop. shape, I could play. The first rule of holes, Brad, is when you're in one, stop digging. <laughs> <laughs> and well, that, let's take a quick buy a ladder. You can always oh, do yeah. You know. <laughs> yeah. All right, let's take a quick break and we come back. We're going to talk about stadium food with David. No matter which ballpark you're at, you want to rep your team. Now you can with 9 plus us. Welcome to the Big City Series. With every design available in your team's colors, you can fit in with the home crowd or stand out on the road. Either way, we have the colors you crave. Shop the Big City Series and find designs that rep your favorite baseball podcast, cheer from the cheap seats, and much more. Shop the Big City Series only at 9plusus.com. The Nunther Sports Podcast is the home of sports talk for everyone. Every other week, you can catch David and Jason as they talk about all things sports. From current events to classic moments and everything in between, you can find the Nunther Sports Podcast on Anchor.fm, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Podcast Addict, and more. Please don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. Welcome back, baseball family. We're here with David Page. He is the author of Food Americana. And what better discussion to have with a man who has dedicated that much time to discussing food, writing about food, and experiencing food than to have a discussion about stadium eats? Because Go we are it. 
obsessed with food, David. <laughs> we are. Um, by the, yeah. It's interesting because I didn't include stadium food in my in my last book, but I'm currently working on a book uh, tentatively titled Eating While Standing about all of the ways that we aren't served, but we, we eat. And I'm including ballpark food. So um, awesome. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, that that's what we want to talk about uh, today. We and, and I have another question for you. I'll ask you later because I keep forgetting. So don't let me forget to ask Write you later. It down. Reuben yeah. sandwich. The Reuben sandwich. My Invented in Omaha, Nebraska. What? A name for a guy named Reuben. Yeah. Everyone that's thinks it? it's Everyone thinks it's a New York deli item. Uh, it was invented in Omaha. Uh, as I recall, either the owner of the restaurant or a friend of his or somebody was named Reuben, and that's it. You know, it's perceived as a Jewish deli food. Technically speaking, it's not kosher because it mixes um, meat and milk in the same in the same sandwich. Wow. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, I did not know that. Okay. Well, now we've got to Thanks for having me, guys. Thanks for coming on. Thank you. I really appreciate it. it. I'm going to learn about Yeah, right. <laughs> no, David, we wanted to know specifically, let's just start with the hot dog. Mm-hmm. How did the hot dog, do you think, become such a staple, such a cultural icon, especially in ballparks? Well, it's it, it's portable. It's it's back then one of the few things that you could hold in a hand, hold your program in the other, or your scorecard, or whatever you had. Um, but you know, when when baseball started back in the 17th century. Um, according to uh, a researcher whose, whose book I read, it was ham and cheese sandwiches and, and, and that sort of thing. Ice cream, lemonade. The hot dog became popular in, uh, I think that, yeah, the early 1900s. There, there's a story that says a guy named Harry Stevens, who was a, an early ballpark catering guy, invented the hot dog it was a cold day at the polo grounds and he sent his guys over to a german butcher shop to pick up some sausages but that story doesn't hold up um and what really doesn't hold up is the allegation that there was a cartoonist in the local paper who these were referred to by harry stevens as dachshunds and and he couldn't spell dachshunds so he wrote hot dog that uh, there's no way to prove it. It's, it's probably not true, but the idea is that uh, it was a portable food that was a step above peanuts um, that, that you could easily and quickly sell and consume at a ballpark. And it became, and, and look, it remains the, the standard food. I, I, I can't find the numbers. I went looking for them, but I am relatively convinced that it remains the top selling. Uh, I mean, beer is probably the number one, but that in terms of food items, hot dogs are are most likely number one. And, you know, it's funny. um, Stadium hot dogs aren't necessarily great. Uh, You know, um, the the Dodger dog, I, I was reading a description of it. The long, sort of mushy, very skinny beef pork blended hot dog that's one of the most famous foods in baseball is sort of terrible. Okay, um, that, <laughs> I had, yeah. was my first Dodger dog last November at a spring yeah. at a uh, fall league game, and I was like, it's 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 fine. I've had yeah. better, but it's it's not great. Well, that's, it's that's it's exactly- no it's no different than the Fenway Frank. It's fine. Um, now. Obviously, uh, you can get variations on this at Bush Stadium. They they have what do they call it? I don't know. It's it's a bacon the best hot dog in baseball. Yeah, right. It's this jumbo hot dog that they wrap in applewood smoke. See, I did my research. Applewood yeah, smoked yeah. bacon topped with baked beans, pico de gallo, spicy aioli, and crispy fried onions. Now that takes that basic food into the upscaled sort of artisanal sort of extreme area that hot dogs outside of stadiums have been occupying of late. I mean, you read articles about hot dogs. What's the best hot dog in somebody's state in passing. They mentioned that it's a good, nicely spiced dog, but it's always all about the toppings or, or the combinations. Cause you know, at some point a hot dog is just a hot dog, which is fine. I'm, you know, I, I love yeah. hot dogs, but um, 
it's a pretty basic food item. Uh, it's also relatively inexpensive. Well, nothing's inexpensive at a ballpark, but it is a relatively inexpensive food item. And at least until COVID, it was something people were able to comfortably pass down the row of seats, which is, you know, I lived in Europe for a long time. I, I, I don't know if that happens at, at soccer games or football games, as they call them. But the uniquely American tradition of passing your food, food through the hands of a bunch of people who probably have just been to the restroom and didn't wash. I mean, it's just <laughs> kind of gross when you think about it. It is. So that actually brings me to a question, like the, like a, a debate about hot dogs. Is a, is a hot dog a sandwich? Uh, <laughs> okay. Technically, I'll go yes. Okay. Most people will disagree with me, but I'm going to get as basic as it gets. It's a protein product on a bread product. It's a sandwich. That's the way I see it. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So, so what is, let, let's stick on the hot dog for a little bit because it is halfway decent. Like here in Arizona at, at Chase Field, you can get mm-hmm. a hot dog for like two bucks. They have their, their value dog yeah. and it's fine, right? Just like every other hot yeah. dog you have. But what is it about the ballpark? That we can go get a crappy hot dog, stale popcorn, and an incredibly overpriced soda, and be so happy with it. Oh, it's childhood. What is it? It's childhood. Yeah. These are basically childhood foods. I mean, it, we can discuss the upscaling of ballpark food, but basically, as a kid, the first time you go to a ball game, you have a hot dog, you have a soda, um, and that's a memory that that stays with you. Um, you know, and, and it doesn't have to just be a plain hot dog. I mean, go go to a Washington Nationals game. You can get a half smoke from Ben's Chili Bowl, which is one of the greatest food items. I mean, I'd put that on my list of 10 things to eat before I die. So it, it does. Oh, you ever had a half smoke at Ben's? No. Oh, hello. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. Your, your, your life is incomplete. Um, it's phenomenal. Um, so but, but to, to go back to my initial point, it's, it's childhood food. It, it's hot dogs, peanuts, popcorn, ice cream, cracker, jack, soda. Um, a soda when you get older is replaced by adult soda, which is beer, sure. um, which is usually an incredibly overpriced, lousy beer. Although increasingly craft beer has come to baseball parks, uh, especially Big in uh, Colorado. Uh, but, but it's childhood food and, and that's a wonderful thing. It's a memory. I mean, you know, uh, what could be better? So you're saying I'm doing the right thing by every time I take my kid to the ballpark, I am shoving sugar at her and I'm, I'm forging positive neuro pathways that are associated with basically drugs to make sure that she has a good experience and wants to go back to the ballpark. Well, as Chris Rock says, as long as you keep her off the pole. Yeah. <laughs> She's not getting on the pole. <laughs> yeah. So there you go. You're a good father. There you go. <laughs> My life is incomplete and I'm a good father. This is great. I feel you good. Have, you've never been. You got to go. I gotta oh, go. Ben's, Ben's Chili Bowl. It's this hole in the wall. Um, it, and, it, I mean, there's bizarre stories about it. His, his number one customer the only customer allowed to cut the line and this was before the news caught up with him was bill cosby (laughs) (laughs) that's awesome so out of every hole in the wall place you've ever been what's one place you feel like would fit at a ballpark as far as like the way that the food is made like it would actually work logistically but also like what they have would be good for a ballpark. Oh, can you think of one? Geez, uh, there is uh, a small diner in either Boulder or Colorado Springs that sells these massive plates of hash browns covered with various proteins, eggs, sauces, cheese. And if you can eat nachos at a ballpark and they were first introduced at uh, at Ranger Games. Uh, you could you could do this, um, and the place I don't remember the name, but it, it literally is a a very small post war diner that was painted purple and turrets were put on. It looks like a purple castle. 
and these plates are fantastic. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's so awesome. tell me about nachos. You you said that they were first introduced at Rangers games. Yeah. Um, nachos were, as the best anyone can tell, nachos were invented by a guy whose nickname was Nacho at uh, at a small restaurant uh, in Piedras Negras, Mexico, across the border from Eagle Pass, when a group of American military wives came in, probably drinking, uh, but wanted something to eat, and the, the chef, chef, the cook was gone. And so this guy whipped up a bunch of nachos, and um, I mean, they had no name, It was, but his, his nickname, Nacho, is, is a Mexican nickname for uh, someone named Ignacio. So he, they said, what is this? He said, it's Nachos Especiales. And that's how they came to be. But it was a guy named Frank Liberto who um, really made nachos a thing um, because he was the one who first served them at the Texas Rangers games in Arlington. I think it was, yeah, 1976. And he's the guy, I believe, who invented the pumpable fake cheese, which made it possible to do nachos as, as a kind of fast food. And as I recall, he was skeptical that you could sell these at a baseball game, but the the folks running the Rangers uh, wanted to expand their offerings and give it a shot. And, of course, it took off. Although, to be fair, what really made nachos a national thing uh, was not baseball, but, but football. Uh, during a Monday night football game, it was Cassell and company in the booth. And during the game, you know, the stadium brought them food and stuff and, and delivered a plate of nachos, which these guys had never seen before. And, and Cosell was going on and on about, it. he first called them nachos, I think. And, and that's <laughs> what, that's what made the nacho. And now of course you can get all kinds of, you know, piled high with garbage nachos at various ballparks. Um, yeah. Even though by definition or description, one would say, how the hell do you eat that at a game? But, you know, people eat all sorts of things at games now. Well, I'm going to I'm going to actually put up an overlay of my favorite garbage can nacho platter that I've seen. Uh, This is the garbage can nachos at the Savannah Bananas games. And uh, well, they Savannah, are... but hold on, that's not even yeah. major league baseball. That's a summer collegiate league. They For have sure. to do anything they can, and that's, that's fine. They, that looks and like they a do. great platter of food, but you could you could cater a bar mitzvah with that thing. You could, you could, and they do because it's a picnic atmosphere, and everyone's in it for everybody else. Have you been to a bananas game, David? No, no, no. The only. Uh, the only minor league games I would go to were in St. Paul when we lived in Minneapolis. You know, it, it was not like going to a Twins game uh, sure. in that occasionally someone got on base. But um, it was fun. You know, it, it's uh, it's cheap, uh, relatively cheap, and it's goofy, and that's fine. Yeah. You know, I kind of feel sorry for – I feel sorry for some of the players there because here you are, you're in AAA, you're trying hard to make the club, and the team is not being sold on the basis of your performance. It's being sold on the basis of bring your family out and have a goofy time. Yeah. Yeah, the Saints are known for that. Like, there's, like, the massage nun who makes her way around the stands, and there used to be the train tracks out in the outfield, right? This like, is more than I know. Oh, see, I learned, I learned some of this stuff when I was up there. We're way beyond my, my level of competence because having dropped 30K on the Twins, I... Only went to Twins games. <laughs> Focused yeah. on the Twins there. Yeah. Significant investment. Yeah. yeah. We would go there for dinner. We'd leave the office, drive 20 minutes, have dinner, watch them get down 10 to 2 and leave by the 5th. I mean. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> That's so brutal. Oh, my God. And goodness. it's a shame because, I hate to say this, I, I, I rarely use any kind of influence based on television, but we got put at the head of the line for those season tickets because the guy in charge of the thing was a big diners fan. Nice. So, 
Yeah. <laughs> then he saw me uh, in the clubhouse one day, in the restaurant one day, and he said, you know, I thought I'd see more of you this year. I said, I thought I'd see a better team. <laughs> it was like the year, the year after Maurer uh, won everything, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's funny. Okay, um, I have another question, Brad. Do you mind ahead, if Brad, I jump yeah. in real quick? Yeah. Go so ahead. Brad and I have a sort of system that we've created, and it's mm-hmm. interesting that it's evolved from two separate locations and two separate you know experience bases between the two of us. But we we do a lot of the same food behavior at baseball games we mm-hmm. we have like we walk in and this is what we get first we get our main meal of the, of the day and then we have what we call the fourth inning snack and we find that for us that's just the perfect time to jump up for me it's a soft pretzel for brad it's uh what is it a pulled pork sandwich what's your fourth inning no, snack? it's usually it's usually popcorn or ice cream pop that's right or so we're putting together yeah yeah <laughs> popcorn and ice cream together what the hell <laughs> no, we'll get there in a minute. I have a question about that for you. Go ahead, Brad. Okay. Anyway, so is is this a is this a normal thing we do, or are we just that invested in the ballpark experience? Oh, I, I I think it's absolutely normal. We all have our our food traditions, if you will. Our our, our it's almost like food OCD. There's a certain way you um you become attached to food which is a trigger for memory. It's a trigger for emotion. It's um, uh, also a baseball game is an excuse to indulge. So, you know, you can do it in a sixth and seventh and eighth inning snack if you want. But yeah, it's, that's absolutely, I think everyone does that. Absolutely. Do you have a routine? Do you have a little system you follow or? Yeah, um, but I'm weird. I would go to my seat first. Now, it was different in Minnesota because you walked in through the restaurant, so we timed it to eat. And then, you know, during the game, uh, there were waiters who would bring you alcohol and things. So it was really obnoxious. But, uh, (laughs) no, I I would uh, traditionally get seated. And then second inning, call over a hot dog vendor. And I, I tend to prefer having everyone in the stadium touch my food before it gets to me. So uh, I, I would do that. And I, I frankly would have a hot dog two or three times during a game, yeah. uh, maybe some ice cream and likely a beer. Um, I don't eat as much as some people do at a baseball game. Cause I actually, uh, your hands are full. I'd rather, you know, be able to stand up if somebody hits a home run. Um, so I guess what I've just fessed up to is I'm mostly a hot dog guy. Nice. Yeah. Uh, well, I, wrong with I that. wore this shirt today for a reason. It says a, a hot dog at the ballpark is better than a steak at the Ritz. You know who said that? Humphrey Bogart. Correct. Yeah. It's, yes, it's one of our shirts on the shop. I wanted to wear it today because it's my. Yeah. I know who's son. Really? He worked at NBC when I was there. That's wow. Cool. Yeah. That's really cool. Well, it's interesting. I mean, I don't know him well. We're acquaintances, but um, he would be telling a story and saying, and then my mom said, and you'd think, oh my God, he means Lauren Bacall. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. That's so cool. That is cool. That's awesome. Um, so you talked about popcorn and ice cream. I'm mm-hmm. curious how things like that happen at ballparks, like why people do things like this. This is a burgerizza. And it, uh-huh. it looks like it's two pieces, two like pan, like personal sized pizzas with a cheese, bacon cheeseburger between. Like, yeah, uh, off, like this is a monstrosity. Why would somebody do that? And, and like, there's, I think there's things like chili with Fruit Loops or something like that. Yeah, uh, they would do it for exactly the result they just got publicity. Um, it is the opinion. It's my opinion and that of uh, some other observers of the food scene at ballparks that the truly extreme stuff is mostly for buzz, that uh, it's hard to eat and in many cases not particularly good, but it gets um, it gets people talking. It, it gets publicity for, for the ballpark. And yeah, some, you know, and look, some of it is uh, perfectly edible. Uh, generally, 
oversized versions of normal dishes. Like they, they sell a two foot hot dog, uh, chili cheese dog, uh, at Rangers games. Okay. I mean, that, that's fine. Um, a lot of it, look, there's the Braves are selling a $151 Wagyu beef burger. It's on an Irish buttered brioche bun with cage free pan fried eggs, gold leaf wrapped Hudson Valley foie gras, grilled cold water lobster tail, heirloom tomato, bib lettuce, Tillamook cheddar cheese, and truffle aioli with a side of Parmesan waffle fries. It sells for 151 bucks to honor the Braves' 151-year anniversary as a franchise. Now, who the hell's going to buy that? Nobody, but it got me talking about it. I found it in an article. I'm sure all three Atlanta TV stations covered it. You know, um, yeah, that's fine. And, and you know, the, some of this stuff, is, I will say, is um, depends on how big it is. There are extreme dishes that um, make locals happy, like. Um, the pirates in Pittsburgh, they, they sell, um, cucumber kimchi with fried ham and mini pierogies on a toasted roll. Now putting pierogies on a hoagie is actually not unheard of in Pittsburgh. Um, they also sell sandwiches from Promonte brothers, which are famous for putting a pile of French fries on top of whatever else you're having. So I would suspect that that actually sells, Meantime, you know, the Red Sox sell fluffernutter fries. Those are sweet potato fries, crushed peanuts, cilantro, peanut sauce, and fluff sauce. Well, fluff being that, that fake marshmallow stuff that's popular that's in New England. I don't, you know, does anyone buy that? I, I grew up in New England. I'm weird. They're weird, maybe. Uh, but it, it, it certainly is something to talk about. Yeah. You know, you can get Rocky Mountain oysters at, at Colorado Rockies games, which, for those who don't know, are deep-fried bull's testicles. Um, but you can all look at in Seattle, crickets. you know, they, they, they saw, uh, is it crickets or gra it's grasshoppers? Oh, it is grasshoppers. Deep-fried right. grasshoppers. Um, they, they brought them out, I think, probably for the PR benefit, and people went nuts and continue to buy them. Uh, it's a big deal. So... You know, it's whatever strikes your fancy. I'm a little I'm worried the grasshoppers are going to replace the uh, the garlic fries as the signature dish at T-Mobile. Because, man, those are killer. They're so good. Are they? I haven't They're seen so good. Them. Okay. Well, there you yeah, go. Yeah, you need to. It's like as soon as you walk in the gate, it smacks you in the face. You're like, okay, I need to go get some garlic fries to, <laughs> like, settle that a little bit. And it's really good. They're the best I've ever had. They're legit. Yeah, you don't have to say slap you in the face. You can just say you get Chris rocked. <laughs> um, <It does. laughs> you know, the, the, the interesting trend at the ballpark is take away the extreme stupid dishes is the degree to which local good food or even if it's not good food i mean in cincinnati you can get skyline chili at the park that's a local dish um, the, the half smoke at, at, uh, at the game in Washington, the, the Cuban sandwich in Tampa, the, the crab cake in Baltimore, um, they're, they're in San Diego, they're selling queso birria tacos, which are unbelievably good. They are unbelievable. You know, yeah. They're, they're incredible. And you know, a lot of beyond local, there is a fair amount of elevated food being served at ballparks, stuff like sushi um, mm -hmm. or uh, target field. Now, um, Andrew Zimmern, the alleged celebrity chef is selling chilled sesame peanut noodles and Korean fried chicken. I mean, you can get um, real food at a ballpark. I'm not sure I want to sit in my seat, hoping to catch a foul ball while, um, making my way through a poke bowl, but yeah, <laughs> to each his own, you know. What are you yeah. going for? <laughs> that seems like a, that would seem like it would be a mess. You got a foul ball coming. You got this bowl with your. No, on the other hand, you got a bowl to catch it in. So, yeah, that's, that's true. true. Or your glove. <laughs> yeah, but you got to put that on and put down yeah. the bowl. It's just maybe you use the glove to hold the poke bowl. Oh, maybe you just there. There you go. You get a first baseman's mitt, put the pokey in the go. mitt, and you're fine. <laughs> Which helps condition the leather better than needs for the one. Rick, you're set. 
I'm set, man. I got like 18 first base gloves. <laughs> I saw a picture online the other day of Brooks Robinson's glove from one of their victorious World Series. And I don't know why, but it made me like shiver. Yeah. It, it just looked like a glove, but it was his. And, you know, I'm old. I remember him. Couldn't hit worth a damn, but Jesus Christ, pardon me. Geez, did he have range. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, totally. Cool. There are, yeah, there are certain things like here in uh, Chase Field, they have like a museum out in center field where you can go in, you can see the World Series trophy and there's all this stuff where like, I think the World Baseball Classic was hosted here. So they have stuff from that. They have all the gold gloves, silver sluggers, have a bunch of baseball signed yeah. by everybody who came through the organization. It's cool just to see the stuff. It's like, it's man, yeah. well, like, that guy thing- handled that. But again, see, baseball has equipment. Very few kids who played football saying, you know, just let's have a team, let's have a game, and they went at each other. Um, They didn't own stuff. But when you played baseball, you owned your glove. And you probably owned a bat. And they were prized possessions. And, you know, you you talk to each other about – I got a new glove. How do I break it in? Well, and you know, everyone had you, you put a ball in it and then you wrap string around it and then you bury it in the ground for a year, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I remember it's the same. When I, the same. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> when I was a kid, the Wilson A2000 kangaroo leather glove came out. Now mm-hmm. this was before PETA and we can discuss whether you should be making gloves out of kangaroos, but that was like I, I, somebody had one that I knew, and I thought to myself, "That person must be wealthy." Yeah. I mean, that's major league players use that glove. Was, and and, and thing, well, sure. and you can smell a glove. You know, it's just it's it's uh, it evokes emotions. It yeah. does. Yeah, yeah. I that's agree. one of my favorite things to do: sitting in the game and just just smell oh the glove, yeah, smell the game. Yeah, or or the pokeball, awesome. either one. Or the Pokeball. Both. You could have yeah. both. Yeah. So let's talk. Let me shift gears really quick into lowbrow, basic, cheap, just ridiculously cheap food. Like at Fenway, you can get fried dough, which is just a scone, right? It's right. just a deep fried thing of dough with scone, honey butter on yeah, it. I guess. Okay. Right. So what is yeah. it? Is baseball like the the last vestige of crappy food that we are still in love with? I'm not sure it's the last vestige. This is a country that loves crappy food. But um, it's certainly, it goes back to what I said earlier about um, an allowable indulgence. When you go to a ballpark or a state fair, and those are certainly not as um, numerous, uh, but I'm including fair food in, in my next book. And we went to the Minnesota State Fair last September uh, reporting for the book. The The rule is there's no rule. Eat as much of this terrible stuff as you want. And, you know, I'm sure more than one kid has puked in the parking lot outside Dodger Stadium. But it's it's like a cheat day in life. You know, you go on in. I mean, look, Cracker Jacks um, are probably not the best thing for you, uh, but I sure like the prize. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, ice cream, you know, it, it's just it, the, the real killer for me. And I don't know how many ballparks still sell this. You'll, you'll have to tell me. Cotton candy. Hey, kid, oh, let's well. Let, let's eat a pound of sun sugar. I mean, that's My a whole kid gets it every time. Really? Mine too. Every yeah, single time. He asks for it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's, well, it's fun, uh, I, like it. uh, I rest my indulgence case. Yeah, you do. <laughs> and yeah. Dippin' Dots. Dippin' Dots and and uh, and cotton candy and popcorn. Those are my kids. That's what she wants every time. Well, that's a full balanced diet. Yeah. You have one from the sugar group. One from the artificial flavoring group. And what's the third? You know, it's... Uh, popcorn. <laughs> popcorn. Well. Styrofoam. 
<laughs> no, popcorn is all natural. Popcorn is the organic element. There you go. There you go. With but salt. it has to be doused yeah. in fake butter or else they're not going to eat it. That's right. Yeah, and I think that fake butter is clearly made from old tires. Yeah. Oh, for sure. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know what's in that stuff. Why is it so much better at a ballpark than it is at a theater? I will never understand. But it's better at a ballpark. Everything's better at a ballpark. That, yes. Everything's Wait, better at a ballpark. Agree. That's I mean, look, it's part of, again, it's part of a, a 360 degree experience. Movies are not that. Movies is, I, I love movies. Movies are wonderful. But at a ballpark, uh, think of it if you're a kid, a, a, a little kid, and you're not really into the game. But there's people all over the place you can make faces at. There's yelling. There's jumping up and doing this. And if you're a kid, you do it out of. Uh, sequence with everyone else there's just so much to see and do and i remember the first time to this day i still get this feeling when you walk up and through whatever doorway number you have for your seats and you get that first glimpse of the field it's magic you know and as a kid the first time you see a ball field it's huge it's the biggest thing you've ever seen you know um and it's funny because as a journalist, you occasionally get down to the field. As an adult journalist, the field ain't that big anymore. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I was at a game with buddy a couple weeks ago. And it got real. Like, you... Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. It got real big the time back in the 80s that NBC sent me to interview Dave Parker about his involvement in a cocaine ring. And uh, I got press credentials, walked onto the field pregame. He was back there throwing. I'm on the sidelines, and I yell, hey, Dave, can I interview you? He says, who are you with? I say, NBC. He says, local or network? I say, <laughs> network. He says, okay, come on out. So I walk out with the crew, and I ask him about cocaine, and he looks at me and says, you ever ask me anything like that again, I will squash your head. And then we left the field. <laughs> what I wanted to yell back at him was, Dave, I'm a big fan. I think you're great. <laughs> it's work. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, by the way, could you autograph something for me while I run away? <laughs> but that walk was so long. It was, oh, no, we walked very fast leaving, yes. <laughs> the longest mall walk of your yeah. life. Yeah, we <laughs> but yeah, no, I, it's awesome. crazy how big the field is. Like I like I said, I was telling my buddy, I was like, Could you can you believe we played on a field this size when we were in high school? And he's like, It it looks so much bigger. It yeah, looks no, so it's and, and but, back when the twins played in uh, the Humphrey Goober Dome. That was the most unpleasant on-field experience in the world. The whole thing felt cheap. Mm. You know what I mean? It was like, what the hell is this? And it was a perfect metaphor for the whole thing when the roof collapsed. Right. <laughs> I remember on the, other, on the other hand, you know, it's interesting. You talk about ballpark design. They obviously never considered um, prevalent air currents because when they moved into Target Field, they stopped hitting home runs. It was something about the location because the wall, uh, the, the fences were not that far, mm -hmm. um, but they, they couldn't hit home runs. Wow. Yeah. I, but speaking of amazing. cheap, though, like I remember going to the kingdom for the first time and looking down and being like, this is like living room carpet. Yeah. Oh, the, the whole. Like AstroTurf. Yeah. But I mean, the whole story of AstroTurf is absurd. Mm -hmm. The, you know, they, 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 uh, open the Astrodome, all of a sudden, outfielders can't see the ball, so they paint the roof. All of a sudden, grass won't grow. Hello, Monsanto, we're kind of screwed here. I mean, that's <laughs> 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 turf and, and the true bane of, of anyone's existence, those ridiculous National League sliding pits that they had. Come on. What are the sliding pits? They, on AstroTurf uh, infields, they had like an area around the bag that was dirt. Oh, yeah. yeah so instead of having the big gold diamond, it was yeah. like a. Yeah. yeah. 
I mean, I don't know if they do this in baseball, but what they do in football now with the uh, the dome stadiums and the field is on tracks and they roll it out all week. And I guess he can't roll it out all week if it's a baseball stadium because you're playing, you know, 10-game homestands. So. Yeah. Yeah, usually with baseball now, like they're getting – I feel like they're getting away from the domes and mm-hmm. going to the retractable roof. Makes much yeah. more sense. Uh, I think the only true dome more. left is the Trop. In, Trop. In St. Oh, and that's such a great stadium. Oh, beautiful ball. Yeah, ball. just perfect for baseball. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the ball goes <laughs> up and it doesn't come down. Give me a break. <laughs> Have you seen it from the outside? I was driving through St. Pete a couple of months ago, and it's on this cattywampus angle, like from the the outside. You're like, you, you, they. It's almost like they thought, all right, if we put home plate here, and then the ball on the launch angle is going to be. So let's make the roof at a similar angle, and it just looks terrible. From it looks outside. like it's sinking into the ocean. It does. Literally. It's so weird. I hate to say this, but. You've got a lousy team. No one will come support in a building that is not in any way suitable for baseball. Now you ask me about Rob Manfred. That team should not exist. Move it. Put it someplace where people want to go see a baseball game in a facility worth playing in. Well, they can't even get to it with the traffic problems that they have i mean it's just a nightmare when the rays do play well it's it's an all-day affair just to get in and out yeah it's Plus the game time yeah terrible well let's go ahead and wrap this up david thank you again so much for joining us again check out his book food americana uh he just had a daughter graduate from college so he needs you to buy his book yeah that's (laughs) right it came out last year right it's the subtitle is Oh, I'm sorry. The subtitle is The Remarkable Remarkable People and Incredible Stories Behind America's Favorite Dishes. Uh, Look for it on Amazon. There's a lot of, uh, I think, surprising information in there. That uh, Very, very popular on Amazon right now. I just looked. You're at four four out of five stars overall. Oh, who the hell didn't give me five stars? (laughs) I'm looking. looking What the heck? (laughs) <laughs> that's, like, that's like batting 298 damn it was so close no, no on amazon that's like batting uh, like a 398 this is killer okay well go there and buy 12 or 15 copies of my book <laughs> excellent ha- hand them out at christmas they make a great christmas gift um sure. or if is you there- missed father's day last week pick up a copy is there a place we can tell our baseball family where else they can find your your forthcoming works and, and anything else you're working on? Well, I've got uh, both a Facebook and an Instagram tied to Food Americana, and uh, I'll keep folks updated there. Awesome. Excellent. Love it. Gentlemen, th- thank you very much for having me. This was fun. Thank Good. We really We're glad. Yeah, thanks for being here. Anytime. Really enjoyable. All right, baseball family, we'll take another quick break. When we come back, we'll close it out. Baseball family, we are back, and thank you so much for joining us during that wonderful conversation with David Page. We had a ton of fun talking to him about baseball food, and uh, I feel like we had a lot of questions that uh, may even have gone unanswered. Not that he didn't answer them, but we didn't ask. We have more, so uh, it might be one of those situations where we're going to have to get him back on the show. He said he had a great time, and we had a really good time. Hope you did as well. Um, If you have questions for David, we would love for you to send them our way and we can forward them along to him, get them answered, maybe have him back on the show uh, to have them answered, you know, in the the live format like we did just now. That would be awesome. So you can do that by jumping into the mailbag on baseballtogether.com. You can write us a message. You can leave us a voicemail. There's an option there to call in to the show, leave us a voicemail. And if you keep your language clean, we might even be able to air it on the podcast uh, at some point. So don't forget to jump into the mailbag if you have questions for any of our guests, but particularly Dave, David after this wonderful interview we had. For sure. And don't forget to hop on the shop where you can get... Uh, I, I specifically wore my hot dog shirt today because we're talking to somebody about food. So you can get your hot dog shirt. You can also get an awesome hat. So we have things there and uh, we have also water bottle stickers. They're like the hot and hot thing in the streets these days. So get yourself a sticker for your water bottle so you can be cool like the other kids. Um, 
but also don't forget to like subscribe rate and review the podcast like the episode on youtube go subscribe so you don't miss any of the clips throughout the week anything like that um you can leave us a review on apple Podcasts. is there anywhere else brig i think that's like the like the best that's the one place for like reviews the one place to do that yeah uh, there are other know. ways to support the show and uh patreon is our favorite way for you to be able to do that um, we have three tiers of support they each come with their own package of perks one of them being the bullpen cut of the episode where you get all of the behind the scenes action brad and i make a bunch of jokes that are not appropriate for the show um, our guests talk about stuff in ways that are not appropriate for the show for the big show the one we're doing right now um, but you can have access to that insider information and some of our production meeting content where we talk about what we need and what we don't need, how hot it is in my garage right now, and more. You can jump on Patreon.com and support baseball together doing it that way. There are 5 10 and $15 tiers, and we would love to have you there. For sure. Thank you, Greg, for jumping in there reminding me of that. But baseball family, thank you again for joining us for another one of our fun interviews, and we will catch you next week.